street epistemology is a wonderful approach that anyone can learn. You can learn more about street epistemology at streetepistemology.com. Everybody. Welcome to Epistemic, episode number five. My name is Reed Nicewonder. I'll be your host for today. Daniel Earls is um, busy for today, but uh, hopefully he'll be back pretty soon. He's on high hiatus. Um, also, we have some guests today. Also, my co-host, Anthony Magnabosco. How's it going, Anthony? Going good, Reed. What's up? Not much. Um, so, yeah, we also have um, Jordan and Jenny Bell. Uh, with us today as as guests they well jordan wrote a very nice post on the se private facebook group um talking about his experiences watching anthony's videos and uh um, and uh that should be very interesting to hear uh, from them talk about in a few minutes but um yeah we'll just get straight into it like so uh what's everybody been doing since the last show what have you been doing anthony man it's I've been busy. Lots of stuff going on. Um, the weather hasn't really been cooperating too much here in Texas, so I've been busy doing some things around the house, but also finding myself working on things related to street epistemology. Uh, I did a really cool interview last week with a guy named Steve McRae. He has the Great Debate podcast, so he invited me on. And he also had on a guest who goes by Ozzy Mandius Ramses II. Yeah, I don't know if you've seen any of his stuff, but he is brilliant. And he's been watching a lot of the street epistemology videos. And Steve <laughs> invited both of us on to talk about SE. And it turned out to be just this wonderful, wonderful discussion. So I was really happy to be able to participate in that. And then uh, what else is going on? We've got the big logo contest initiative that we've been working on. We've been getting all sorts of submissions. We've narrowed the the, the submissions down to about seven or eight i think and we can probably get into that a little further maybe later on but i've been busy with that um <clears throat> there's a guy out there who's really interested in se and he's involved in one of those npr related shows so we've been spending the last several weeks trying to fine-tune an article to submit to them for consideration to play on uh, one of those shows oh wow which I think, dude, like that would be awesome. That would that would really help expose SE to a completely broader demographic than I think is aware of it now. And then I've been busy writing some blog posts. I, I just released an, another one a couple of days ago on how to stay calm when you're using street epistemology, how to stay calm and focused. Nice, yeah, Which, that was great. That's a question I get all the time. Like, how do you stay so calm? How can you resist from arguing with somebody? So I finally took some time and I wrote this blog post and recorded it too. So there's an audio version of it on the SE podcast. Uh, so that's pretty much it. Um, I'm, I'm really eager to get out and do some more videos. I think the last one I uploaded was two weeks ago. And I hate to go that long without uploading something. But uh, the weather just hasn't been cooperating. But I've been busy with other stuff. So it's definitely been productive. Yeah, I've been going out once a week as well. Weather's been a little rough for me. It got into the 60s, so I had to, you know, put on a jacket. So that was that was pretty rough. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, having a good good time out there. I also tried an, I tried a new spot in Griffith Park. Um, I haven't released any videos from it, but uh, I went like pretty 
right up next to the observatory, just down a bit on the trail. And it's getting there. I have to park up at the observatory and like take my little cart of stuff down the trail a little bit. But Is it's the getting... Griffith Observatory. Griff... Yeah, the Griffith Observatory. I've been there before. Don't you have to take a bus to get up there? Like you can, I guess. There's a parking right? lot up there, um, but there are buses as well. Yeah. And you uh, haul your gear like halfway up the hill? Um, I'm at the top at the observatory, and then I just cart it down a little bit. Um, down to the side on a little hiking trail. Okay. So getting down is easy, but getting back up, um, I, I usually have to like flag someone down to help me get my stuff back up the hill. Yeah. But uh, really. it's been it's been okay so far. But it's a great wide shot. That's like what I'm doing is getting some nice uh, picturesque uh, mm -hmm. Los Angeles landmarks in my wide shot. Yeah, and we were talking about the benefits of cutting to a different camera angle every once in a while in the last episode of Epistemic. And in case anyone wants to listen to that. Yeah. Cool. So, uh, anything else uh, going on? Uh, just lots of stuff. I mean, we're getting feedback from lots of people who have been affected by by SE, whether they were just watching the video or they ended up running into somebody who was using this method. Yeah. Speaking yeah. of, speaking yeah, of, yeah, maybe we can move on to uh, Jordan and Ginny. So how are you guys doing? Doing good. Thanks for having us. Yeah. Good what's your show? So, Anthony, want to talk about uh, why they're on, on this show today? Sure. Well, from my understanding, Jordan and Jenny both encountered street epistemology in some way. I think Jordan was inspired to write a, a post in the street, one of the street epistemology Facebook groups. And it was really inspiring, uh, his story. And I don't want to get, I don't like spoil it or anything, but but uh, it was it was really profound in his experience. So we thought, well, what a perfect guest uh, than to than to ask Jordan if you wanted to come on. And it sounds like uh, Jenny came along with him, which is great. I'm really glad to have you both here. So uh, yeah, maybe you can tell us a little bit about your story, your journey, and how it, it relates to to street epistemology. Yeah. So I grew up in a um, in a very conservative, fundamental uh, Christian household. Um, about as far right as you can get without being obviously labeled a cult. Um, so I, I was homeschooled for the majority of my life, um, mostly prevented, um, not actively, but passively from any contact with people who might be secular or have any sort of different beliefs than me. Um, I, I don't think I ever met like a Muslim or, you know, until I was, you know, almost out of high school. Um, I thought that everyone believed like me and that the majority of people, you know, in the world, like 90 plus percent of them were all Christians because duh. Um, and I didn't really think through any of these beliefs critically. Um, it was more or less indoctrination and it stuck really, really well, um, well into adulthood. Um, and it wasn't until I was in my mid to late twenties that I uh, started considering that I might be wrong about some of these beliefs. And it happened when I was watching um, a video of Neil deGrasse Tyson explain uh, something. And, and he said, if your explanation for the things that you don't understand is God, um, then your God is just going to be an ever-shrinking pit of scientific ignorance. And if that's who you choose to believe in, so be it. I can't stop you. And I'm like, that's that's not my God, is it? Um, and I, I started thinking about it a little more. Um, 
And I thought, you know, that that actually is my God. And I started, uh, you know, reading more of my Bible. Um, I started reading, you know, in, in uh, Job where it talks about the world sitting on pillars and how God shook the pillars and the firmament and the holes in the firmament were stars. And I started realizing this isn't poetic language. They actually thought this was the world. Um, and as soon as I realized that, I was like, oh, no. And so I, I just started, you know, Googling a bunch of stuff and reading everything I could get my hands on. Um, and I ran into your videos, Anthony, probably like maybe the very next day. Um, and it was a video of you talking to a Muslim woman. And as you asked her the questions, uh, you know, to try and get her to think through her beliefs in a reasonable manner. Um, I, I thought it was hilarious. I was like, ah, look at her crumble. Of course she's crumbling. She was indoctrinated into Islam. Um, you know, and I, I play the next video and it's, uh, you know, someone who, you know, claims that karma is real and it rules their life. And, you know, pretty much the same thing happened. She gave almost identical answers based on, you know, her upbringing or her life experiences but she had come to a different conclusion. Um, and I heard you ask the question that if all of these different people can use the same methodology to come to these different conclusions, you know, what does that say about the reliability of that method or your conclusions? And I thought, uh-oh. And the next video was, um, it was actually the, the three-part series of you talking to the uh, youth pastor at that college, uh, Corpus Christi, I think. Um, and he was, you know, like warning his students to stay away from you and, you know, that sort of thing. But I, I listened to uh, a couple videos from your playlist of you talking to Christians. And I was like, oh, no, he's giving the same reasons that I'm giving for why I believe in God. That's not good. So I, you know, I went to look out better reasons for the things that I believed, essentially trying to prove why Christianity was right. Um, and the more I looked, the less I found, honestly. <laughs> That's incredible. That's incredible. Do you think the order of the videos that you happen to stumble across had any, any bearing on the profoundness of like the realizations that you had? Yeah. Like if you, if you stumbled across the Christian video first, do you think it would have been different? Uh, yeah, I, it was important for me to see you have this conversation with someone who didn't believe what I believed because mm -hmm. there was less at risk. I already knew they were wrong. Um, so it helped me understand that your method was accurate and you were helping them realize that what they believed was wrong and you didn't even have to bring up God. Okay. I see. So you saw me using the method with somebody with a completely different belief than yours. Mm -hmm. You started to like appreciate the like the method that was being used and yep. then it, were you more open to then using the, like applying the method towards your own belief because you saw it being used for these other beliefs is that what you're saying um i i wasn't open to applying it to my belief necessarily at all it was kind of just an accident um mm -hmm. that it, it caused me to start thinking through these questions and realizing that i i didn't have any better reason it's not like it was my intention yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's interesting. Okay. And then you went the next step and you try to find better reasons for the belief. Yep. So then I spent, uh, you know, I, I deconverted in, in about a period of a week. Um, I spent like 16 hours a day 
um, you know, reading and watching videos and praying and like looking for all of this, uh, you know, information. And yeah, the next step for me was to find concrete reasons for why I believed the thing that I believed. So that involved like reading theology books and researching history and stuff like that. Okay. And then how does Jenny come in in all this? Well, he deconverted about a week before me and he was asking all sorts of horrible questions uh, and like that I didn't have answers for and I couldn't find answers for. In fact, one of those questions, which is a kind of a variant on an SE question was what ended up um, fixing or breaking, depending on your point of view, me um, was uh, I was rejecting all sorts of evidence uh, that contradicted the Bible. I'm like, I don't care what this or that says of evolution. It doesn't matter. Uh, the Bible is right. And whatever else you show me that's not the Bible is wrong. Um, and he's like, I kind of came to the place where what would I accept? And for me, that was if the Bible didn't have integrity within itself, if it was, if there are inconsistencies in the Bible, that would have a, be a big problem for me. And well, that was not hard to find. Okay. Wow. Yeah. These are typical reasons that I come across. I don't know about you read, but when I encounter Christians, Usually they say they believe it because they were raised with it or they um, they think that the book is true. And yeah, rarely does a person like take the time to think about what they would accept to to uh, to lower their confidence in the belief or come to the conclusion that that evidence really isn't reliable evidence. So, yeah. OK, so I'm a little curious then, Jenny, did you then go out to just find. a I don't know, contradictions was contradictions the thing that did it for you. Yeah, really, it was. Uh, I I had rejected um, everything else, so I had to go to the Bible, and I believed the Bible was in the infallible Word of God and error-free, and um, I didn't, I grew up believing the Bible very literally, so the old, like, oh, well, this contradiction doesn't really have any effect on your faith, that, therefore you shouldn't care. That didn't resonate with me at all. I don't care. These These two one says it have there were this many people the other said there were that many people and it's not like it's a little wrong it's a lot wrong I, I if it's a perfect book protected by god it should be perfect it says it's perfect it should be perfect um so i started like maybe the old testament isn't reliable maybe the new testament isn't reliable but sure there surely there's still a god surely there's still a, a jesus like how how can how can I know about these God, this God, if I can't trust the book? Um, and then kind of once you can't trust the book, then all the other reasons to believe it's true just crumble. I mean, it was an intense week. Jordan, like he said, he deconverted about a week. I also in about a week, but he was a week ahead of me. Um, and uh, it was, there was no, he, He's in, like he said, 16 hours a day, he was pursuing the truth. And uh, he did not give me any rest either. Um, I'd be like, I, I just like, let's talk about the Marvel Universe or something, anything else. And he's like, no. So um, <laughs> well, that's what uh, I was wondering. Was, that's what I was wondering. Like, were you guys alone in this? Like, yes, he was doing his own thing and you were doing your own thing. But did you like uh, share what you were finding with each other? Um, was it easier oh, yeah. because you were both going about it like near the around the same time? Um, I was sharing absolutely everything I learned and found with her. I 
you know, uh, we probably spent four to five hours a day, like on the phone with each other. And, um, you know, like I would be at work and I would be on the phone with her for, you know, half the day, like telling her about all of the things that I like found and was researching and asking questions. You know, when I'd come up with a hard, uh, you know, sort of question, I'd be like, hey, what about this? You know, um, so yeah, it, it was really nice that, uh, that we went through it together, I suppose for me, probably not nearly as much for her. Nope. She's nodding her head. I'm no, I, 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 I put it, use the analogy of like Jordan was a little egg, uh, in his shell and he saw a crack and started picking at it and hatched himself out of his beliefs. And then he saw me still sitting there in my shell and he was like, here, let me help. And like, like took off all my shell. It was a very, very uh, exposed experience, I guess. He was starting to climb out of the hole and turn I'm around. I'm fine now. Turned, out, turned around to help you out of it too, it sounds like. Yeah. That's cool. So, okay, so you were exposed to SE. Uh, you started applying a, a lot of the questions towards your own beliefs. You started investigating it further. You had each other. Um, do you find yourself today still using the method or promoting it? Or are there others in your life that you think could benefit from engaging with them? Tell us a little bit about like, you know, your view on SE today. Like, is this a tool that you want to keep using? I Absolutely. love SE. Um, I think we watch uh, we watch like all of the SE videos. There's probably like ten different SE channels that I watch, and I like you know I enjoy watching all of the videos as they come out. Um, we have had conversations with people in our life where we apply SE towards religious beliefs. Um, since we both grew up in this world, everyone we know, almost everyone we know, is still in this world. So. It's uh, it makes it a lot easier for us to be able to talk to these people. Um, sometimes it doesn't it doesn't help very much. So you know, presuppositional apologists, um, SE doesn't really do much there. Um, cool. I'm wondering about your like community related to these beliefs. Did you have any? Did you go to church? Did you know anybody who believed these things closely? Okay, so part of the accident that allowed us to deconvert. Um, was that we had just gotten married a few years ago and we decided that we should find a church to go to together. Um, a different church than the one we were going to before we were married. We wanted to, as a couple, choose a church together that was in our community, near our house, you know, that sort of thing. And in the process of visiting churches, so you go to a church and you visit and you, you, know, you listen to them on Sunday, part of what you're doing is you're critically evaluating what the pastor says to see if it falls in line with your interpretation of the Bible. So we were searching for a church for a period of a year, and we had trained ourselves through visiting different churches to critically evaluate what the pastor said and see how well it lines up with the truth. And then even when visiting our home church, that criticalness didn't go away. I would come home from church and be like, yeah, the pastor said this. I'm not sure I agree with that. Um, and I would have verses for why I didn't agree with it. But um, also for me personally, I I grew up uh, in the ATI, IBLP, Duggar, Gothard world. Um, mm -hmm. And so uh, about a year before we deconverted, I had gone through the process of getting rid of all of those beliefs, which... Um, 
I mean, it was a difficult thing because I was very protective of my core faith, like God and Jesus and that sort of thing. But um, it was a useful practice for me for, for evaluating things I believed, being able to acknowledge that I was wrong and push them away and also understand why it was hard for my parents. My parents still don't acknowledge that any of that Gothard stuff is wrong, let alone God at all. So it was understanding why people are invested in continuing to believe something. And um, yeah, basically that. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah. Thanks for sharing. Sure. Yeah, uh, that right. is really incredible um, that you guys were able to find your way out of it. Yeah, I run into a lot of people too that are there. They, they say that they're searching for, for churches or they're searching for places. And then they go and they eventually find one that they like. And I always start to think like, aren't you just... Is, aren't you just admitting that you're looking for something that you want to believe that's that's in line with the conclusions that you've already come to? Like, I wonder how many people actually select a church that doesn't correspond to what they believe for those that are searching around. And that process helped, you know, you like you, that was like fostering your critical skills too. And then when you ended up going back to your old church too, you kept applying those skills. I think that's great. So are there, is there anyone else in your family that you think could benefit from either you applying these questions to them? Is this something that you even want to take on at this time? I mean, sometimes, sometimes people just, they don't want to like rock the boat. Um, My family isn't super willing to talk about that sort of thing with me. Um, My dad tried um, and then in the process of our conversation realized that he didn't know nearly as much as he thought he knew about um, reasonable answers to some of these questions. Um, I think that turned him off a little bit. Also, you know, I first had a conversation with him, you know, very quickly after I deconverted. So definitely still in my angry atheist phase there. I have had some better talking with his dad about SE stuff, just gently asking questions. And um, I, I call it kind of like finding the edges of someone's beliefs. Um, I enjoy it. I've used it in talking with some of my friends. Uh, Jordan and I have, have uh, two couples that we have sat and had long discussions with. And boy, it feels great when we get those long pauses. We, we like shoot each other eyes that said, let them pause, don't talk, don't talk. <laughs> That's awesome. Those pauses are key, Anthony. Like, um, you know, we'll have a conversation with someone and they'll say something and it's like, that's so far out of left field and we just won't say anything. And they'll kind of sit there and go, oh, that is really far out of left field, isn't it? That's incredible that you are both aware of the importance of the pause and you can make sure that you're not stepping on it. I think that's great. Oh, that's cool. Also, SE was really useful for me, not quite as uh, instrumental in my deconversion. Jordan just kind of helped with that a lot. But um, in getting comfortable with my deconversion, um, for a while, I felt like I was broken, like the belief that was within me had been destroyed. And, and I like I wanted it back. Um, And it was really hard to like not believe but want to believe. And then when you when I watched, um, like all your videos, uh, then it kind of helped um, heal away the magic sort of of it or the the specialness like what I had wasn't special. Um, I didn't have any better reasons. No one else has any better reasons. Um, and 
uh, had really helped me a lot to be comfortable with my deconversion. Yeah, a lot of people who get rid of their God belief do tend to become angry at the people who taught it to them and other people who still hold the beliefs. And I'm not saying, yeah, it sounds like maybe that was mitigated to some degree because you were aware of these tools, I guess. Like, is that what you're saying? Like, if this isn't it, don't let me put words in your mouth, like I always say. But did you avoid the angry atheist phase or did you still, do you still ex experience some anger at the people or has that been mitigated to some degree? Uh, for me, I, I feel like I skipped it. I, I, I went from uh, like feeling like I was the one that was wrong, even though, I mean, I, I didn't believe anymore. I just wasn't, I don't know how to describe it. I wasn't at peace with myself about my disbelief, if that makes sense. Um, and then, um, I mean, I don't know, I'm just not a very angry person. So I, I, maybe it's still coming, who knows, it's only been a year. Um, but I, I had already kind of gone through a little bit of the angry phase with um, the, the stuff that my parents had believed that was more extreme, um, a very truncated version of angry, but I it's, had come to a quick understanding with like, okay, it was them trying to do their best and they are only, are only capable of of teaching what it is that they believe. So I, I don't know. I feel like I might still be in my angry atheist phase. Um, I, I guess I'm not so much angry at uh, the original teachings or at the people who teach them, because I think that they do it out of sincerity, out of an understanding of their experiences, um, out of what they think to be true. Um, so I'm, I'm not mad at them for their good intentions. I guess I'm, I'm more upset that I feel like they don't act out what they claim to believe. Um, I would say a majority of Christians think that people who aren't Christians are going to die and be tortured for all of eternity. Um, and I, I really, I'm not sure how I dealt with this as a Christian. It's hard to put those lenses back on and think about it like that but I don't understand why all of the Christians who believe this aren't running around like chickens with their heads cut off, screaming the end is nigh. Well, some do. Yeah, there's some right in front of the Alamo. <laughs> <laughs> also, there's a little bit like our, our for both of us, our family's um, really fundamental Christians. And um, when I, family, uh, hey, I don't believe this anymore. Um, and I'm willing to talk about it. I would be happy to talk about it. I, I want to, if you, if, if you have more information, if you, there's, if you have the truth, I want to know it. This, this is not a closed discussion. And, and you can talk to me about it every time you see me, and I will be happy to talk to you. And if I get tired of it, I'll tell you, I won't just stop showing up. And uh, only one person tried to talk to me once. Um, and, it, and uh, Jordan and I both have felt a little bit, um, not betrayed, but just kind of like, well, I thought you cared. Do you, do you really not believe I'm going to hell or do you, you just, you're cool with that now, you know? That's, that's really, yeah, because that makes me think that they probably really haven't given it much thought and they probably don't believe it all that much or they probably weren't as invested in it as it seemed like you two both were. Because yeah, like if I had friends that no longer believe something and I absolutely thought that they were gonna burn forever, I would I would like fly to your house and like pound on your door 
to give you the evidence to show how you how how well, no you're mistaken here it is but yeah, yeah people don't people don't do that and i think it's very telling that they don't do that some of our friends uh are willing to um so we have a couple right now um that are you know they're like hey here's this uh you know christian apologetics book and let's do like a book club and let's have long conversations about this and we're like great you guys are amazing um it seems like you are acting in a manner in accordance with what you believe and you're actually expressing that you care about this. Um, but we both come from very large families and uh, you know, most people involved are like, Ooh, better stay away. You know, the, the evil atheists. Yeah. It's more of a risk to take the time to talk to you and be exposed to the potential that, you know, that you might have a good reason why you don't believe. And it's just safer for them to avoid talking to you. Yeah. And I think that speaks volumes. And like, yes, there might be people that are willing to do so and talk to you, but uh, usually it's, what is it, like one or two conversations and then they like, they just give up. Yep. Yeah. There was uh, her brother, for instance, came to talk to us. Um, he, you know, he talked to us one time, although to be fair, that one time lasted like 10 hours. Um, but he, well, he came to talk to us once and then, and then gave up. He's like, I, I, I guess I'm not sure exactly what his reason was. Um, but he doesn't appear to be up for more. Yeah. Sweet. All right. Well, thank you guys so much for sharing all that. That's really, that's really great. Yeah. It is really a pleasure to have you both on and to hear your story and to have you share it like that. And that, uh, you know, Jordan, you, you were interested even in joining the group to share it. Uh, and yeah. so it sounds like you, you guys even have some sort of general interest in SE going forward. So that's, that's like a true success story. I mean, that's really, really incredible to hear. And then for, for the people that might be wondering, are you still open to the idea that there is some sort of higher power? Have you, have you completely turned off the switch and you're, you're not willing to look at it again? Or would you consider it ever? I'm open to the idea that anything I know is wrong. So, I mean, not to sound flippant, I'd be open to the idea that leprechauns exist. Um, if you if you want to show me some evidence of this, I, I definitely you know sit down and look at it. Nine eleven is a hoax, or you know I, what, what, whatever sort of belief that I think sounds ridiculous, I'm willing to accept evidence and change. But I don't I don't have a problem with identifying as an atheist and saying there are no gods. In the same way, I don't have a problem with saying there are no leprechauns. Um, there's there's no reason to reasonably consider it. I can say there is no Tinkerbell. Um, and it's, it's the exact same thing. Gotcha. All right. Well, uh, yeah, thanks, Jordan and Jenny. Uh, I think Jenny needed to uh, head out sometime soon. Is that right? Yeah, Feel unfortunately, free. back to work. A little grindstone. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining. Uh, Jordan, you can feel free to stick around. And uh, so, yeah, thanks a lot. Thank you very much for having me. I really appreciate it. And thank keep you. up That's the good thing. work. It, it different, right. different videos hit different people at different times. You never know. Right. Keep producing them. Nice to okay. have you. This stuff just uh, makes it so inspiring to to go out and do it this, even more. This is it. This is like the payoff. This is the payoff of all the hard work. You know, uh, the going out in whatever, going out, setting up, breaking down, editing, uploading. You know, refining it. Like that's yeah. That just totally makes it so worthwhile. And it's really nice to have you guys here uh, to explain that. Jordan, that was cool. You gonna stick around? Uh, yeah, I think I am. Okay, cool. cool.
Yeah, and uh, all right, so moving on to the next section. Uh, last week, we did something interesting. We did a our first just community live stream, similar to this, but just anybody from the SE Facebook groups could join and just hang out and chat with each other. We kind of want to do this on a more regular basis. Um, we're still kind of figuring out what it's for, but it's nice to get people talking and just chatting about stuff. So last week, we did our first one, and it's on this channel if you if you guys haven't seen it yet. Um, but something interesting happened. Uh, this this guy called Darth Dawkins, you might have heard of him from um, just in general on, on the internet, on YouTube, and uh, the general atheist community YouTube, YouTube videos. Uh, he came on for a little bit, and uh, Anthony Cesario uh, chatted with him for about 20 minutes. And that went really well. Uh, I set a timer. I set a hard uh, endpoint for the conversation. And uh, he did a great job with Darth. He got, I think Darth was just, you know, being a kind of, you know, God accounts for logic. You know, you can't be reasonable without believing in God, that type of thing. And uh, Anthony Cesario talked with him. Uh, it was very nice. But, um, after that, uh, we kind of kept going with him for like another hour, maybe. And there was maybe like five or six more people on that hangout. And uh, yeah, it didn't go very well. It, I don't think the format of like having a bunch of SEs like talk with one person is not the best format. So I think that's something we learned. If we ever do have anybody else on to chat with, we should just probably limit it to one person for a set time and then move on to other things. Did you watch that, Anthony? I did, yeah. I saw that you had posted it. I want to say it was like in the chat with the Street Epistemologist Facebook group or maybe the Learn. I don't remember exactly what, which one it was. I did all three, yeah. Oh, you did all three? Okay, so yeah, I saw it. And then I had it on my TV and I was you know, watching it while I was just doing other stuff around the house. And yeah, I thought I thought when Anthony Cesario was, was questioning darth dawkins that he did a wonderful job and he was he stayed calm which is very tough because darth well he has a sort of a tone of the voice that can be pretty grating to people um and i noticed that darth was very quick to question anthony rather than spend much time answering anthony's questions so so um that was a little frustrating to see like the lack of it seemed like a, la a lack of willingness to allow Anthony to really probe his belief, like Darth was erecting these barriers, basically. And then, uh, then it ended. And yes, like you said, there was a room full of probably four or five other people who know SE. And then it kind of became like this almost pile-on thing where just as soon as, I don't know, Lucas was in there, for example, and they'll say Lucas said something, and before Darth could answer the question fully, then maybe somebody else jumped in uh to challenge him and then it just became really combative and it was yeah it was it just kind of descended you know it started off really good and then descended um yeah well uh, it's well, that's it's presuppositionalist it really is right yeah. to earlier really we'll have to place. make sure the structure is more uh more set going forward if we do that again yeah. So yeah, I, I like to I liked it in general. After he after Darth left, we still had maybe another hour or so of just chatting with other people. Um, mm -hmm. And so it was really nice. Are you thinking about doing that like a weekly thing or monthly, or how often do you think you'll do that? 
probably bi-weekly right now. We'd love to get it to weekly. Um, I think we're kind of scheduling it out. We're looking, It's looking like it might be happening on like Saturday afternoons. Um, so maybe we'll uh, just keep your eyes open on the uh, on the Facebook groups to figure out when the next one is. Probably not this Saturday, maybe, but if not this Saturday, then maybe the next one. Um, and you you also just out from the Street Epistemology Twitter too. Um, I don't know if you did that last time. That might be something you I want don't to do think you did. Also, yeah, we could yeah. probably do that. So might if you're not subscribed to the Street Epistemology YouTube channel or on any of the Facebook groups or the Twitter, there's a Street Epistemology Twitter. Go ahead and, and follow those and and you'll get notifications when these things go live. And you can even jump on and talk to some SEers. Yeah. yeah. And if we if we do schedule them, there'll be events on the Facebook pages and an event here on the on the YouTube channel. So yeah. Stay tuned. Those are a lot of fun. All right. Uh, next up, we're going to do a, a quick video breakdown uh, of my latest video that I uploaded yesterday, I think. Um, I tried something different, so we can, uh, yeah, we can chat about this. Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and get it set up here. I'll go ahead and play it. Uh, this is a pretty short video, if I remember right. Yeah, it's only five minutes, so we'll just probably watch it all the way through. Yep. and then comment on it. And I'm gonna hit play. Let me know if you can't hear it. Here it goes. Um, so I do believe in karma. Okay. Um, I, I noticed that in my life, when I do good things and I have good intentions and good things happen um, to me and the people around me. However, when I am in a funk and negative, then I realize that things start to uh, crumble and uh, be negative outcomes. Okay. So you believe in karma, mm -hmm. and it's like when you do good things, good thing happens, happens back. And when you do, like when you're in a funk, things start to become funky or yeah. crumble. And negative things start to happen. And it yeah. might not happen right away. Like it might happen like six months later. And then you're like, oh crap, yeah. this is probably my karma from when I did that one thing, you know, yeah. that I shouldn't have been doing. Or this is probably my karma for doing that good deed that I did, you know, it's kind of very reflective. Gotcha. Just got to pick up on it. So when those good things happen, it's because of karma? Yeah, I think so. When you live a, a good life with a good heart, then a lot of good things start to happen. Okay. And when you start to, you don't appreciate and you, and you become more negative, then a lot of bad things start to trickle in. Yeah. I'm not saying this is the case, but what would it mean for you if this wasn't actually real? And true. Um, How would you feel about that? It would mean that there would probably be a lot of more evil people in the world. I think that um, karma kind of caps the evil that there is out there. That a lot of people uh, tend to try to do good and and be better because they don't want negative things to happen to them. Okay, so you're saying if karma wasn't actually real mm -hmm. and people knew that then they would just go around being more evil yeah and more selfish more uh, selfish yeah hmm. yeah like if we found out it, it wasn't actually real mm -hmm. yet we wanted to have less evil in the world what would be a good way to be able to achieve that without believing in karma can you repeat the question yeah if karma wasn't real mm -hmm. i'm not saying it's that's the case and we and we, if karma wasn't real that would mean more evil would be in the world yeah if we didn't want that to happen, mm 
-hmm. but karma wasn't actually real, what's an alternate way we could be able to do that, to have less evil um, without karma? Well, then having faith, you know, believing in God. Having faith? Yeah, I think that would that also minimizes the evil in the world, knowing that there's a, a higher power that overlooks and sees all of your actions and doings. Um, that also kind of portrays your outcome of your decisions. Okay. All right. So besides karma, having a having faith in a higher power that mm -hmm. oversees things, um, that would be a way to have less evil in the world? Yeah. Okay. And you, you believe a God is real and true as well? Very true. Okay. <laughs> okay. If... I'm not saying this is the case, but uh -huh. if that wasn't actually accurate and we wanted to have less evil in the world, what would be a, a good way to achieve that? I guess leading by example, <laughs> you know, just trying to uh, be the change you want to see in the world. So, um, and hopefully that your energy rubs off on the people around you so that everyone around you could live a healthier, positive lifestyle. Factors of being, a, being, being the change you want to see in the world. Mm -hmm. That's something we could do if yeah. we had to. Yeah. Okay. I think that's our time in case you want to keep going. Yeah. No, this is cool. Okay. Very cool. So I could check it out on here? Yeah. Sweet. Thank you so much. <laughs> Very nice to meet you. Nice to meet you too. Later. Good luck. Thanks. Cool. So, yeah. That was just something different I did there. Um, I wanted to try to understand what the belief was doing for her first. And it seemed like karma was a way, I think she said, um, it kind of caps the evil in the world. And um, I could have gone the regular route of, of starting with why do you believe that and how are you so sure? Um, although even if we she said if, we, if she didn't believe in karma, she would also have this other belief about having faith in a higher power. So this type of questioning at first gets you to kind of a more root belief, which I probably I figured karma is kind of based on around like a higher power type of belief as well. So that like then I this helps finding a, a deeper belief than the than karma, for example. So if I would have kept, if the conversation would have kept going, I probably would have asked how she is so sure that her higher power belief is real and true instead of karma, because that seemed to be like a, a deeper belief than the other one. But yeah, it it still has a lot to do with morality, with evil, and having like having faith minimizes the evil. So, from like the psychology I've read a lot of our intuitions um, drive our strategic reasoning. So if we have intuitions about evil in the world and that we want to, and we don't know how to um, not have that without this belief that we're believing in, thinking about an alternative way to like be more comfortable or feeling more in control, feeling more secure, allows us to be able to be more reflective about our beliefs being actually true because we kind of have a safety line we have a we have an alternative way to be okay 
uh, with the belief not being true. I think that was, I think these types of questions starting out might help us have more of a chance to have better reflection in the SE portions of the conversation. So if we get this out of the way first, it's possible that that more reflection could happen. That's just a hypothesis. Yeah, I, I, I see where you kind of went there. So I think what you're what you're explaining is that if you first discuss the other alternatives, then a person might be more open to examining if their first initial conclusion is mistaken or not. Yeah, because like the model I'm using, it's of these types of beliefs is not like that these things are actually real and true, but they're just a set of ideas that allow us to meet our own psychological needs. Mm -hmm. So if those needs can be met in other ways, mm -hmm. then the beliefs could be um, investigated more, uh, more openly, yeah. more freely. As I, was, as I was listening to it a second, or maybe this is my third time, it dawned on me that in a way, this is kind of like asking a person's confidence level, because if if they're if they responded and said, "Well, no, karma is the one and only thing. That's the only thing that's keeping evil away." Well, then you know that they're very committed to the belief. They're very confident on it. But she didn't do that. She entertained your hypothetical that there was a possible explanation, and then she even went a step further with you, to like she went from karma to a higher power, and then. She even went with you to, well, we could just lead by example, and this could be people that are doing it. Yeah, that would be interesting, having a confidence level of like the effectiveness of the belief to get whatever the belief is doing for them. Like, what's your confidence that this, that this belief is the most effective way to have less evil in the world? So I was, that's a good idea. I wasn't even thinking that, though. My, my view was that because she was willing to enter, entertain the idea that maybe karma isn't keeping evil at bay, that that was an indication of her willingness to slide on the certainty scale. Like she entertained the hypotheticals with you. And that indicated to me that she was more open and probably not quite near like the hundred percent, like absolutely certain. I know that this is true because I think she would have given you more resistance with your ideas if she was really committed to the belief. Yeah. Cause all this stuff is, is the, is what matters when people believe in things like it, what the beliefs does for them. Mm -hmm. Like if, if they like we ask sometimes if it wasn't true would that matter to you and this kind of stuff is what matters so getting to that stuff and kind of just kind of talking about our feelings about it almost um might help to be a little more reflective yeah like if you had another 10 minutes you could have then investigated how she's so sure that karma is real or where does faith come in in all this like she mentioned faith uh jordan yeah. when you when you watch that uh, did you have any thoughts and did that did you, anything you want to share I, with us? On I that? always think it's a little bit hard talking with people who um, believe in karma. Part of it is that it's it's so difficult to pin down what it is that they really think um, in my experience. Right. Yeah, karma is very wishy-washy. She was it's very pretty, vague. She was pretty wiggly too. Like even at the end there, even though she said, well, maybe we can just look at other people and lead by example, and that will help keep people at bay. But then she had to refer to energy, that energy is a part of this. And so it seemed like there was this like tendency for woo with every step of her way of explaining how human beings deal with evil. 
so yeah this this would be like this would definitely like this is a great little intro to, like to a conversation with her it would be great if you could meet her again and yeah like, what would you ask her again if you had the chance it, let's say she wants to sit down for another 10 minutes um yeah i'd probably ask her um if you if you remember the conversation like that you know we could there were these alternate ways of of having less evil minimizing the evil and you mentioned something about a higher power could we talk about that your reasons why i'd love to believe if that's true that type of thing I think we're coming up pretty quickly on the segment of the show where we ask watchers, viewers for their questions. So if there's anyone out there and you have some questions that you've wanted to ask, uh, this would be a good opportunity to go ahead and do it. I hope I'm not jumping ahead. Was there anything else we needed to cover before that? Um, no, not really. Uh, we've got a few questions already lined up. Uh, the first one was from, from Reese. Um, who would you most like to use SE on? Ooh, me? Okay. I would, oh, I would ask, uh, I would want to do it with Donald Trump. I think he'd be uh, a really fun person. And I think we would all talk about truth. Jordan Peterson. Oh, yeah. You know, it'd be a big conversation about truth with him. Mm. Sorry, that's my top two off the top of my head. I'll probably think of some more. How about you? Um, I guess she doesn't have so much influence now, but like someone like Oprah or some, some type of celebrity figure that's with a lot a of power. One. Yeah, that's a good like one. It, like so much of our um, beliefs come from just blindly copying celebrities and like people we are like in awe of. Mm -hmm. So if we can get those types of people, you know, thinking a little more clearly, maybe people can just blindly copy their, their attitudes and values. That's a great one. Yeah, that would be good. How about you, Jordan? I think I definitely also would have said uh, Donald Trump, but I, I think some other good choices would be um, some apologists of different faiths. Um, I think it would be fun to have an SE conversation with Christian apologists, Muslim apologists, um, people who actually have this strong reasoning for why they believe what they believe, where they're they're good at public speaking and they're good at being at, at persuasive arguments, but maybe they haven't thought so much about the actual reasons why they believe these things to start with. Mm -hmm. Right. Cool. Next question. Um, how can we organize ourselves and make SE more mainstream? Uh, that was by Tommy. I think we have an announcement about that uh, coming up soon, but anything else about that before we talk about that? How can we organize ourselves? Okay, well, yeah, I think we are reaching a point with street epistemology where it's moving beyond this sort of method. There needs to be possibly some sort of, some formal structure because people are looking for ways to donate money to help us promote this thing. It's becoming kind of expensive. You know, there, there's some expenses that people are incurring for hosting a website or traveling to an event to give a talk. Um, uh, so I think we, you know, kind of, we are kind of reaching the point where we need some sort of for, formal structure. And I think we may have an announcement. I've been working on something on the side to kind of make that happen, but um, nothing that I can announce just yet. So I think that will help make SE more mainstream. I think the biggest thing though, that will help make SE more mainstream is if somebody, some prominent <laughs> figure noticed it, you know, 
a Ricky Gervais or a Russell Brand or a Bill Maher or Sarah Silverman would be like perfectly positioned to really latch on to SE and just run with it and promote, promote the heck out of it. Out of it. So, I've got to say, speaking of how big SE is getting, um, it was wonderful seeing you on AXP. Um, I had hoped that something like that might happen for a couple months now. And, you know, of course, I'm really lazy. So it's not like I emailed them to tell them that you should be a, a co-host. Um, but it magically happened one day I was checking and I was like, oh, this is cool. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there, there might be more opportunities to go back on as a guest host. So I think if, yeah, if you, if you want to see more SE on AXP, just message them and yeah. ask if you ask if the current host can start using it a little bit more here and there, or if they bring people on to, uh, to keep promoting it. So. Yeah. I just saw that that channel, the ethics experience channel is also doing a second like show, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. So maybe that could probably mean maybe an SE show could be in the lineup and some for future point. Yeah, my Sorry. understanding is the the people that make the the atheist experience show happen show up hours before, like they're there at eleven o'clock, you know, twelve o'clock to get everything fired up and tested, and and they're pretty much ready to go hours before they go live at four thirty. So it's conceivable that they can run another show, maybe even two, before uh, the big one that that happens. So I think they have an I think it's what is it called, Talk Heathens, or Heathens something or other. Something like, like that. profits. No, well, I don't, I don't know. know exactly. I haven't seen any of their stuff yet, but it's two fellas, and I think I think it is going to be a call-in show as well, kind of like a long-format atheist call-in show. Um, I I made a post about it on my Facebook page, so if you go there, you'll see the video of promoting the show. Right. Okay. Next question: Have you ever done SE in groups? Um, would this be a good or bad idea? Well, we did test that out. Uh, last week during this the live stream, that it was sounds like Jordan and Jenny were doing SE in groups. Um, yeah, we yeah. have a couple that gave us the book um, uh, "Seeking Allah, Finding Jesus," um, which is a book written by a Christian apologist uh, about his conversion from Islam to Christianity. Um, and they gave it to us because they thought this was a wonderful book that would help us with uh, with not believing anymore. Um, and thankfully, they're they're kind enough to do like a book swap and to you know read a couple chapters and get together and the four of us discuss it. Um, so we've been, uh, you know, I, I'm I'm uh, very quick to anger and I'm not very you know. I have a short fuse and I, I tend to get a little bit upset. So SE is not very easy for me to always apply. Um, but sometimes I'm able to control myself enough to like insert SE questions into the things I'm saying. Um, so in the conversations we're having with them, I'm able to utilize a lot of SE techniques, thinking about what they're saying and then asking a question that, that causes them to think about it, repeating their words back to them and asking, is this, you know, is this what you're actually saying? Um, am I hearing you right? Am I understanding you right? Leaving pauses at the right moments for impact. Um, and it's it's working, it works really well with two people who are patient and also care enough to understand what you think. If they, if they didn't care about what we thought, then it probably wouldn't go that well. Yeah, 
I think two people who understand SE can be a really deadly combination, like very effective because they might detect like when, you know, when your conversation partner might be getting upset with Jordan, that might, you know, Jenny might notice that and then step up and do a little bit more talking and that yeah, really, exactly. she'll that hear something, really think, she'll, she'll rephrase it in a more SE appropriate and less threatening way. Mm-hmm. Um, or she'll take over when she sees that I'm starting to get a little bit upset. And, you know, we'll kind of tag off a little bit. Yeah. Cool. Um, you know, I'm wondering, would would there ever be a chance where you guys would do a video? Like, I, have you considered either going out individually or like as a couple? That would be really neat to see like the both of you using SE with somebody. We've talked about it, um, and I've watched. I watch a lot of SE videos from much, much smaller channels. Like I said, I have a list of maybe ten or fifteen different people, and so I've seen really low production value SE. Um, and I watch it because I'm super interested in SE, but not a lot of people do. And I realize that, um, you know, I would need to actually buy some equipment that would make it uh, enjoyable for other people to view. Yeah, that, that could be a factor. Yeah, I would love to see two people uh, doing SE on someone. That would be very interesting. Um, cool. Um, Let's see what's next question. I guess for um, Jordan, a question for you and uh, Jenny, but she's not here. How would it have affected your relationship if one of you had not deconverted? Uh, whew, that would have been really hard. Um, I don't know. Well, part of the reason that uh, I was able to kind of drag her along down this path of questioning was because we were married and it was like oh i can't just walk away from this uncomfortable conversation you're my spouse um so i think at least with our relationship um it was a little bit inevitable um like i i think that if you had an interlocutor who um was forced to spend time with you by virtue of your relationship with them and they didn't want to give up with you. I, I think that that would be different. Um, I'm, I'm really not sure it would not have been good. Okay. Thanks for sharing that. Um, let me think of other questions here. Um, there's a question. Can you describe your most challenging, frustrating interlocutor? Um, I don't know. It's just people who are just talking so fast. Um, there was just one person I, I talked with a while ago. Yeah, like last people year. People don't entertain your questions, and they're already they're already planning to answer your question before you've even finished it. Those yes. those are frustrating because it's like, oh, this this person just isn't open. They're not even listening. So that's frustrating, and that that can happen. Yeah, the words per minute of a conversation are very, that's very good uh, metric for the amount of ref- reflection that's that could be going on. Like the slower you are, probably more pos- more likely some reflection is going on. Um, I see Jenny's back too, so feel free to jump in, Jenny, if you want. Yeah, feel free, Jenny. 
Um, anybody ever tried SE on a psychic medium? I haven't so far. I don't no. think. I met a Reiki healer once. Hmm. But uh, that's quite different. At least I don't think I have. Uh, it's possible. I, I don't remember. Um, from the people we've recruited, who are we the most proud of progress-wise? Who? I don't know. Recruited. <laughs> or just progress. people who... Progress in what? Just with doing SE, I guess. Oh, okay. Uh, gosh, I feel like we should be like, you know, answering these really quick. But these are hard questions. From the yeah. people that you've recruited, who are you the most proud of progress-wise? Who's made the most progress? Hmm. Honestly, I don't think I've seen a lot of examples yet to be able to answer that. Question. Yeah, I've definitely made a lot of progress for sure. Yeah, I, I was thinking about answering myself, but I think that'd be like maybe that's kind of arrogant because yeah, I do think that I've come a long way with this, and I am proud of my my progress. So I guess we're answering ourselves. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, Anthony, there's another question. Anthony, do you ever think about going to a church and having a dialogue with someone in front of a bunch of believers? Well, that's a very appropriate question because this Sunday I've been invited to a church in uh, kind of near my near San Antonio outskirts, and uh, they, I guess the past, I think I went there was a debate there once, so I went there and then I started chatting to the pastor and told him a little bit about what I do, and he started checking out videos. So he's invited me to come and talk to his congregation this Sunday. So I'll be going there, and I think it's forty minutes. So I think I'll briefly explain what street epistemology is i'm going to be showing one of reed's videos his conversation with tia and and then i think there will be a little bit of a time for a q a so i think there, there will probably be an opportunity you know to, to actually promote se explain what it is clear up some confusion and then i suspect that a few people will probably catch me afterwards and then i can have a couple one-off conversations with people right there in the church which would be that's, pretty neat that's so amazing Will that be recorded even with just like a, a GoPro put somewhere? I wasn't planning on it. Um, I'd love to see that. I could live, I live streamed the debate once when I was there last time. So maybe I, I can message him and see if he'd be fine with me maybe live streaming it. So go to my Twitter, Magna Bosco and, uh, or Periscope is, well, I may not necessarily use Periscope when I live stream. I don't know. I don't know. They did let me live stream last time. So we'll see. Okay. Um, what do you think about a training page for people who will, who will be interlocutors and NSEers? Not sure what they mean by that. A training page, like maybe like a uh, some sort of page with little tips for people. I don't know, or maybe like the like a chat bot or something. I don't know. Well, if they're referring to a set of steps that people can read to prepare themselves before engaging in a conversation, whether you're the the, the person asking the SE questions or you're the recipient, uh, there's I mean that, that that's probably helpful. I mean, I think the list for preparation for the conversation partner would be really short. It would be 
be as honest as you possibly can. Feel free to take as much time as you want to answer questions. Um, feel free to end the conversation if you're getting too uncomfortable. Uh, schedule a time to meet again. I mean, I, I don't know what more I can say there. But I think the list for the SEO would probably be a little more extensive. Yeah. We do have the we do have the street epistemology guide, which is more geared for the person who's doing the SE. It's a, it's 30 pages though. It's not just a little one page cheat sheet. The guide is really great. I I highly recommend that. I haven't looked at it in over a year. I should probably look at it again. Yeah. And maybe update some of the technology or, or equipment. Maybe um, so. section that might, yeah. that might be good um there's one prepared question about um about my asking for my thoughts on my discussion with the, the christian apologist last week and uh what kind of reaction i got from it um yeah we should get into that yeah it was jonathan mcclatchy um he asked me to come on his webinar and uh, i accepted i I don't see why I, I, I should just be able to listen to whoever wants to uh, to say anything about their beliefs and why they believe them. So I, I got on there and shared a little bit about kind of the psychology behind SE, at least in the way that I see it. And then he also asked me to kind of SE him for a little bit, which I was a little reluctant to do because of the just the format and the and the nature of the of the webinar it's just it seemed very adversarial and uh but i i tried to be as respectful as possible and i learned uh a, a nice overview of why he believed and um i think i got as far as i could in that format and uh he, he took that clip and put it on his facebook page and so far you know apologists have been giving some feedback on that, which I appreciate. And uh, I'll take that into consideration. I also got a message from someone uh, with some feedback on that. They said, uh, hey, partner, my name is Jamie, and I'm a pastor in Columbus, Ohio. Just wanted to say how much I appreciated the way you interacted with Jonathan McGlatchey. Uh, it's a video I'm going to show to some of my congregants in the future on how these kinds of discussions should be made. You are honestly uh, interested in knowing exactly what he believed. You are not interested in a straw man. Um, how does the saying go? We can disagree without being disagreeable. Bravo, my friend, bravo. That's good. Yeah, see, that's a, that is a stark contrast to the message that that individual, Jonathan, posted, because he, he made a post. I, I was listening to it. My son was playing basketball at the time, so I had my earbuds in and I was listening to it. Oh, yeah. So I didn't watch it, but I did listen to it. But the nature of the post, when he posted the video, he says, um, in this 20-minute clip, atheist Reed Nicewonder of Cordial Curiosity attempts to perform so-called street epistemology on me, but discovers that his method is rather less effective against someone with a firm handle on the evidence for the truth of the gospel. gospel. Um, the way that he's framing it makes me think like it, it, it's it's confirming my view that they're viewing this as a like this is a competition something that we need to be you know worried about we need to be defensive we need to step it up 
and they're not viewing it like this other individual that just, I didn't even know that you had that message and I was preparing to talk about this anyway. So I'm really glad that you, you brought that note up. Um, I loved your exchange because it was very cordial. It was respectful. You listened to him. You repeated back what he said. I had a better understanding of why he thinks his holy book is a source of truth. I think you represented atheism very well and street epistemology very well with your questioning. Um, I think if it were me, I would have challenged him more on some of his assertions, but you don't have to go there on a first, on a first date, on a first talk. And yeah. I thought it was a great, I thought it was a great conversation. I really do. And, and uh, the benefit I think from these conversations a lot is the people who are watching. And I think it was just, it was a plus. Um, but, but to frame it in a, in a way of watch this video, if you ever want to figure out how you can defeat street epistemology, folks, that's just, um, it's, yeah, it's kind of funny to see sort of that response to it. And like, it, it, they're if missing you can, on this. Yeah, the way to defeat epistemology, it's like um, not say what you believe. <laughs> like we're, we're generally interested in what you believe first, like tr seeking to understand you first. For sure and just creating opportunity for you know per, a person to reflect on the reasons why they believe and, it, and he did that perfectly so i, I see that as a as a success mm -hmm. so yeah yeah this um, also drives home the uh, sort of my perception that even though the person that you're speaking with may not be willing to consider that they're mistaken they're so convinced and they have so many reasons why this is true um you know, yeah. if, if you uh, if you have a discussion about one of those justifications, and he's really big on this whole thing of um, unintended consequences, unintended coincidences, I always mix it up. Yeah. And I bought a book about it so I can learn more about it. I think it's undesigned coincidences. Oh, sorry. Undesigned coincidences. So this is a really big reason why he thinks his book is true. And he gives all sorts of talks and lectures on it. And it comes up all the time. But I found out just through messaging uh, him that he would still be just as confident that his God existed, even if he discovered that unintended consequences, undesigned, undesigned coincidence. Cons oh fuck! I'm 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 just gonna say UCs. So, even if he discovered that UCs were were an unreliable way to conclude that the Gospels were a source of truth, he would still be convinced to the hundred percent degree that his God was real. So I wouldn't, I really wouldn't spend much time with it. However, it might be worth spending the time having the discussion with, with this individual about UCs because so many other people seem to find it compelling. And if they can discover from observing him answering questions about it that there's really nothing special about these things, then they may actually end up lowering their confidence in the belief. So it might still be worth yeah. having the conversation. The point is you never know who's watching and it might still be beneficial to have a conversation even with somebody who's closed and who is so absolutely certain that what they're believing is true because there could be people watching. And Jordan here is a great example of that. Because yep. And one of the things that helped movie. Jenny a lot was when she realized that her position was if these things are proven to be unreliable, I'm still going to believe. And as soon as she thought through the fact that that was her position and realized that that was a terrible spot to be, she's like, oh, I probably shouldn't be there. Right. Okay. So I think that's enough questions for today. Um, so let's just move on to the announcements. Um, 
the SE logo will be chosen uh, by next episode. We had a, uh, I think, a whole month of submissions for the logo, and a few of us have uh, whittled it down to like in the top six or so. And then we had a, a poll in the Facebook group. So I think one design in particular is pretty much, uh, is pretty much winning right now. So, but we'll we'll also be working with the original designer and coming out with the final version hopefully by next episode. So stay tuned, you guys. Thanks for being patient. Yeah, there's one logo in particular that seems to be getting the most votes in the private SE group. And a lot of people are leaving comments about that design plus some of the others and giving some good feedback. So the person who is submitting the one that's leading has been reading the feedback and even tweaking the design that's listed out there. So yeah, there's probably gonna be a little bit of a change before we actually announce the, uh, the selected logo. I definitely want a coffee cup with that logo on it for sure. Okay, yeah. So next up, um, Anthony, you want to talk about this SE activity workbook? Yeah, this is an idea that I've had for a while. I wanted to introduce the concepts of street epistemology to people at an earlier age, not necessarily engage with people and start asking questions and imparting doubt and all that, but at least giving people the tools where they can start doing that, giving people the sort of a, a brief, introductory explanation of what street epistemology is. And uh, I thought uh, an activity workbook kind of loosely based on the uh, the Satanic Temple has a workbook. I have it right over here. Uh, it's like 10 pages, very simple. It's, you can draw a maze, you can do a word scramble and all this stuff. And I thought that would be pretty cool. So we met a really great illustrator when we were in England who has agreed to do the artwork. We're in the process now of coming up with the content and uh, finding some way to raise some money to pay for the illustrator and the printing. And then this, this could be actually something that we could be giving away to folks or selling to some degree or the other and help uh, just help spread the word and help teach these concepts to, to young people so that they can a uh, little bit be, be just be more aware of, of the, the benefit of asking questions and that it's okay to ask questions. It's okay to say, I don't know. And uh, so we should have more information on that pretty soon. Okay, very interesting. All right, uh, next announcement. There's going to be a Google Hangout with Matt Dillahunty, Ozymandias Ramses II, and Blake Gunter to discuss the belief scale, uh, pros and cons. Um, yeah, this has been in the works for a couple of weeks. Matt's been traveling quite a bit, but Matt Dillahunty has some strong views on the asking a person where they are in terms of their certainty that the belief is true, 0 to 100 or 1 to 10. And I sat down with him once and we, we discussed it. I don't know if we ever resolved anything. And I was listening to a podcast. It's called The Right to Reason with Robert Stanley. I don't know if you if you heard this one or not. But Blake Junta, who is a Christian apologist, was on that show. Hmm. And I'll be darned if Blake wasn't asking the atheist host about his certainty and getting a sense of where he was in terms of his confidence from like zero to 100. Fascinating. And I was like, what the heck? So... So I thought, oh my gosh, we have to do something. And then right around this time, I became friends with Ozzy Mandius Ramses II, who uh, who is very into philosophy and has a seems like a, a sincere interest in street epistemology. So the four of us are going to meet. I think we're going to be doing it Monday. We're going to do a hangout. It'll probably be on my YouTube channel. I'll be live streaming it, and then we'll take the the recording of that. And I think Matt will release that on his Atheist Debates project. 
so that people can watch that. So that should be a nice, good, at least our conversation about quantifying beliefs in some measurable way and determining, is it even possible? Is it feasible? Are we wasting our time? Is there a better way to do it? And I think it will, it will make for a very good conversation on, uh, on the belief scale that a lot of people using SE employ. Cannot wait for that. Sounds great. Okay. Well, I think that's it for today. Thanks, everybody, for watching. This has been uh, a lot of fun. Uh, and uh, thanks again for Jordan and Jenny for joining and uh, Anthony for joining. This yeah, so thanks nice. you guys for coming, yeah. Jordan. Really nice to have you here and, and your wife, Jenny, uh, for joining us. Um, if you haven't already, there are all sorts of resources. There's like what we're doing here. We, we turn this into a, an audio version for a podcast. There is the streetepistemology.com website. There's an app. There's all these different Facebook groups. If you just search for street epistemology in Facebook and look for the ones that have the highest number of members, that's a really good indication which ones are good to join. And learn more about it. Watch a video and share a video. People are discovering the videos and it's profoundly impacting their lives. So uh, please share one of your favorite videos and uh, help us spread the word. For sure. All right. Thanks, guys, for watching. Catch you next time. Street Epistemology is a technique by Dr. Peter Bogosian in his book, A Manual for Creating Atheists, and his Android and iOS app, Atheos.